welcome to a new episode of Outside the Panels with your host, Johnny the Machine Hughes. Welcome everyone to another episode of Outside the Panels and have we got a show for you today. Um, hot off the presses, I am talking to the writer of AWA Upshot's biggest hit, Casual Fling. Talking, of course, to Jason Starr. Jason, how's it going? Good, how you doing? I'm very well. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me about your book. I have to say, right from the, right from the top, I absolutely love this book. It was um, well-nuanced, well-observed. There's... Um, the stuff that's in there isn't gratuitous. It was just, you know, it's just a proper, proper story start to finish. And by the time of the, I got to the end of it, I was like, ah. So, well done, my friend. Well that's done. What we want. We want that reaction at the end. <laughs> cool. Excellent. So, we're going to start at the top and work our way down. All right. And we'll get into the nitty gritty of, of casual fling. Um, let's start. How did you break into comics? How did you manage to, to cross that bridge? Um, well, I've written many novels, many crime novels, thrillers, um, many of them published in other languages and in England, et cetera. And um, some editors over at uh, DC um, had been reading my books, one in particular, Will Dennis. And he asked me to do an introduction for uh, Brian Azzarello's uh, 100 Bullets, so one of the uh, trades. So I wrote an introduction, um, got to know Will better. I think um, the first thing I did actually was a uh, a short story, like a, a, it was for a JSA anthology, a sand a sand story that I wrote, and then um, I did some more stuff for DC, another project with Brian actually over there, mm -hmm. and uh, that was the Avenger and Doc Savage and Batman, a mashup uh, comic series, um, and then uh, Will. Uh, asked me to pitch ideas for um, Vertigo Crime. Uh, they were starting an imprint, a uh, crime imprint. So I pitched an idea called The Chill that I wound up writing there. And then, um, the, you know, the thing is, I don't think there's any set way that people get involved in comics. There's always some meandering path. Some people <laughs> are writing um, non-comics like me, like writing um, uh, fiction and they wind up that way. Some people are doing web comics. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people are editors first and then they wind up writing their first thing. So there's really no set path. I think it's just about, it's always about the work and, and then uh, making connections and um, pitching and and uh, maneuvering your way around the industry. <laughs> maneuvering. <laughs> maneuvering. Yeah, moving the people around a little bit. Um, I suppose um, as an author, as a, as a novelist, um, you kind of have that ready-made back catalogue. So if a comic editor comes along and says, oh, yeah, I really like such and such, you've got that in the locker, haven't you? As opposed to, say, um, someone like I, me who's not an author, and I'm, I'd have to, like, please read my scripts. Please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely helps. If you've published other things, it certainly could help get your foot in the door or get noticed. Um, you know, I mean, if you put yourself in the position of an editor, at a uh, publishing house, they want to know that you could deliver on time, that you're mm -hmm. going to be professional. So you kind of get over that first hump. But I mm -hmm. think it still comes down to coming up with um, a really good idea that they want to do. It's uh, I find that like comics are extremely competitive, even compared to the world of novel writing. And there's a lot of people that want to do it. So you always have to be at the top of your game and pitching and and um, and really finding an idea that resonates with them. So. Okay, cool. Do you think uh, we're going to come back to the competitive element because that intrigued me a little bit? Do you think it's easier for artists to the comic book world because sorry, they can rock up? Do you think it's easier for artists to break into the comic book because um, they can rock up with a portfolio and say? So. I wouldn't say anything's um, easy or you know easier than anything else. Um, okay. I, I think the the uh, one one way that I mean that artists can break in that I think writers can't is by um, you know showing their stuff online and then you could just visually see there's you know there's uh, um, certain uh, sites online that I know a lot of uh, writers are active on me uh, deviant art for example yeah. um, 
so you could you could also uh, have a portfolio of your work that you're showing to editors at uh, Comic Cons. A lot of editors um, actually set up and they view art, and a lot of artists break in that way. It's harder mm -hmm. to do that with writing because I think it's um, it's harder to just show like that you're a good writer without yeah, like getting yeah, yeah. getting somebody to commit to reading yeah. something. So I think yeah. so I think the only advantage that you'd have is that it's visual and you could just show because I think you could just tell if something's good or it's not good just by looking at it. Yeah, 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 that's very more instant, isn't it? It's very much, yeah, like, ooh, like I like that. Ooh, I don't. Ooh, he draws like such and such. Ooh, she draws like them. Yeah, that's cool. All right. All right. You mentioned earlier just then that uh, writing in comics is competitive. All right. Um, I'm intrigued a little bit about this because the amount of books I see on a weekly basis reviewing for Comic Crusaders, you know, and the various pods I'm on, just because there's a lot of them, doesn't mean they're all good so how do you manage to stay on top of your game you know how do you manage to how do you manage to find that hook you know the one that the kind of goes, um, this is the book that i'm going to well do. i <laughs> really good question i think the ones that you know someone seems to be having success in anything but let's just let's just stick to comics with for this example yeah, yeah. um you're only seeing the successes right so like when someone uh, publishes, yeah. if someone's published five graphic novels, like you're seeing the five really solid graphic novels. You're not seeing like the pitches mm. that went nowhere. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> see know? where you're coming from. So, yeah. so you have to like get, um, I think you have to get a handle on uh, what's good and what's not good and, and having your own like inner, um, I think Hemingway used to call it a shit detector. Like you need your uh, <laughs> shit detector going. And yeah. I think that takes a while. That takes a lot of trial and error as a writer. Like you have to um, have experience and it's just from doing it. I mean, that's the only way you get a sense of like what's good or bad. Um, but I think as you go on, at least for me, and I think other writers have told me the same thing, I think you get a little bit more confident that what you're writing is gonna be at least pretty good. I mean, like, you know, you're never going to get everyone to love something, but yeah. um, you know that something is going to be, uh, you're going to work on an idea that you're going to be able to finish that the mm -hmm. uh, majority of people will hopefully like that has legs, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, cool. I like that. Um, so how is writing for comics different? Because you've, you, you've been successful. You've done, you've done novels, you've done film tie-ins. You know, you've, you've worked across different uh, publishers. So, you know, you know, you're a man who is multifaceted when it comes to this writing gig. You know, you can, there's a, t there's some, a TV uh, tie-in, there's a, something original, there's a comic book. How, how do they kind of all sort of fit into each other? Um, well, the challenge for me is always to, uh, when I'm switching, especially if I'm working on uh, two projects at the same time, let's say, a comic and a novel it's getting into like a very different mindset when i'm writing each one a, a book is obviously very internal and it's all going mm -hmm. on inside my head and comics are very collaborative um i'm talking about the ideas much more than i normally would when i write a novel because i'm pitching editors and then we're developing it often uh we're developing the story often together before i sit mm -hmm. down and start writing so it's much more collaborative but um from the work itself, it's really, um, it's, it's going to seem obvious, but it's because it's like, it, it's a visual medium comics. You're, you have to envision a story in a completely different way. You're thinking mm -hmm. about the images and the space, um, mm -hmm. the space of the, of how much space you have to work with. Um, mm -hmm. An average comic is about 20 to 22 pages, right? right? So you're, when you have an idea for like what a first issue is, um, as opposed to a chapter or group of chapters for a novel where you don't really have to think that precisely about where it starts and where it ends and how yeah. each page is gonna end. You yeah. really have to um, think about it in a very compartmentalized way. You're thinking about the first page, um, how you're gonna uh, have little moments of tension to like end, end the page, what's the mm -hmm. most dramatic way to end the page. Um, the most suspenseful way to end the page, uh, the page turn effect. Like you, you start thinking about the odd, even pages and what it's going to be like to turn the page and see <laughs> something. Have, dramatic. Like he walks into the room and sees like, you know, there's a dead body, you know, like yeah. so you want to show that where in a novel, you're not thinking about that. You're just thinking about yeah. the best way to tell the story. So it's a completely, 
different mindset. That's the main thing, like thinking visually. Yeah. Almost like a cinematographer, maybe. Like closer to being a novelist than a closer to being a cinematographer than a, a novelist. Probably. You know, I could totally say that. I can. You know, do you do you write from a for comic books? Do you write for a full script, or do you do the Marvel method where you give like the barest of details? I do. A, I believe what's like a a full script. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Um, I kind of thought. Looking at the details in this book. <laughs> I'm kind of thinking, yeah, this is a this is a full script kind of guy going on here, definitely. Well, I, I definitely. usually have like a description of the scene, um, the dialogue in the scene. I, uh -huh. I I I think there are some writers. I've seen some scripts, some comic scripts where they're much more, um, like Neil Gaiman, for example. I saw one of his scripts, and he's much more in depth about like every little um, detail that he wants. Maybe because he thinks mm -hmm. that's important. I I only think write what I think is important to the story. The only, it ha, like if there's, there needs to be like a specific object in the scene, I'll say this mm -hmm. object in the scene. Um, I try to leave as much as possible to the artist. Mm -hmm. So um, so there's some combination of like not having uh, too much, like I don't want to have some vision that I just think is cool because mm -hmm. I, I have the belief that the artists are better than I am much better than I am visually. Like, so I just want to give them an idea of like what it looks like, and then, yeah, and and and, the, and hopefully it's going to be better than anything I could even uh, imagine. And that's often the case. And there's certainly in Casual Fling, that was the case. Like a lot of the um, the detail, uh, facial expressions that Dalibor got caught in this uh, comic are, are really crucial for the mm. tension of the comic. Um, really getting you engaged with the characters so he really um dug deep into the the characters in particular in this book um some books he could rely on the action and suspense you know the the artist like takes it to another level that way this mm -hmm. way i think it's really in the um characters at least in issue one like in the characters and in building suspense and like this eerie foreboding uh vibe that it has yeah <laughs> so the artist we're talking about is Dalibar Tarijek. That's good enough. Hey, that's yeah, he's yeah, pronounced better than me. Yeah, I, I, I am notorious. I am. My mutant power is to get people's names pronounced completely wrong. It yeah. took me three. It took me three months to say Tom Napolitano correctly. You know, it always comes out as Neapolitan. You know, yeah. like their screen flavor. He's never going to be on the show. But you know, bless him. <laughs> But uh, no, it's my it's my curse. Um, so the art. Let's. I tell you what. Why don't we dive in? Let's let's dive in and have a look at this this book. Um, let's do that. Because the book is out now. All right. So we're not breaking any sort of code with any sort of anything on there. We are not going to delve massively in here because you know what? Both me and Jason want you to go out and buy the book. All right. Don't be just watching this pod saying we're going to show everything that goes on. That ain't going to happen, all right? So <laughs> the kind of things we're talking about. Um, let's see. For me, I love the first panel I absolutely adore is this panel here where the hubby is trying to sort out the uh, smoke alarm. Who, is that, did you come up with that idea? Yeah, I mean, it's a, this is a very... Um... This is a story about a uh, husband and wife. They're kind of they're in a. I mean, I wouldn't say I wouldn't describe their marriage as being bad, but there's uh, tension in their marriage. It's sort of reached the point. There's there's two young kids. Um, mm -hmm. He's a stay-at-home dad. She's a high-powered lawyer, and this sort of got into a rut in their life. And the whole way this story works is um, it has to be as real. I felt it has to be as like real as possible. So from that first panel, I just wanted to put you immediately into this sort of familiar, but like uh, familiar uh, situation of domestic chaos that's like going <laughs> on, like on a, on a typical uh, morning for them. Um, yeah. Where like a few things are going wrong at the same time, she's leaving mm -hmm. for work. So I wanted you to like instantly understand their dynamic like in the yeah. first page and again like that, Dalibor look what he did like he just made it like so visceral like yeah. those moments yeah this absolutely this absolutely rocks this I saw this page and it made me smile I was like 
has Jason got cameras in my house? Because <laughs> that, that is us. That is us, minus the kids. We have a dog. Uh, <laughs> minus, that is us on a Sunday when either my wife or I decide to be clever and cook an English breakfast. You know, the bacon, the sausage, the egg, the smoke alarm goes off. I was like, this dude has got it. You know, it's well observed, I guess, the kind of, you know, I think you've absolutely nailed the head, nailed, nailed the nailed on the head there, definitely. Um, facial elements, we talked about a little bit. Bang on perfect. You know, you can see there's that level of tension, maybe that level of monotony. Yeah, I mean, the characters. It, it, it's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I wanted it to be, you know, again, like I wanted you to just get a sense of that uh, dynamic. They are at like mm -hmm. a uh, monotonous point in their marriage. Um, some extremely dramatic things are about to happen, but um, but this is the point they are in yeah. the in their lives, and um, that yeah, that that's why I wanted that to be the starting point because things are about to change drastically. So I wanted you to see where where yeah. they've been. Often, it's time you know, a challenge for me is like to think about where I want to start the story. So mm. um, I think I went through a few different versions before I landed on that. And I felt like the story has to start with them, like at that moment, like to show the whole family, like right from the mm, Definitely. Where's the inspiration for this book? Because you look at, you look at Previews World and it pretty much name drops a really successful movie. And whilst i can appreciate that movie's going to turn up somewhere down the line i don't think it's really evident in that first issue yeah so but when uh when, when yeah, I, when I mean, I, the the movie we're talking is uh there's definitely a fatal attraction um yeah. vibe to the whole um story so i mean definitely it was something we talked about um i talked about with the editors axel alonzo and the other editors when we were um developing the idea um it's, it's obviously different because the uh the person who steps out of their marriage and this is the uh woman as opposed to the yeah it's, uh, it's inverse, isn't it? and yeah. and um it's going to go in a much uh i'm not giving anything away but like just uh don't have too many expectations where it's going to go because i think it's going to go into some very surprising um directions but but um Fatal Trash was definitely an inspiration. I think movies from the 90s. Um, in the last book I did for AWA was Red Border, which was a thriller that took place on the uh, uh, Texas border, like right now, and a uh, mm -hmm. completely different um, milieu. I would say that an inspiration for this book came more from some of the novels I've written, um, the psychological thrillers um, about real people, I sometimes say like ordinary people in extraordinary yeah. situations in, in extraordinary situations um yeah. where one yeah. bad decision one bad decision could change the course of their life and yeah. that's what happens in issue one of this book like she makes a really um bad decision that she's going to regret but mm -hmm. um it's that sort of uh story that i was definitely yeah. uh going for i think um I, yes i can see um I didn't see it the first time. I read the, read the book first time. I didn't see the fatal attraction element. Uh, it wasn't until I looked at previews well that kind of I saw it and I kind of then thought, oh, have a think about that. Um, and for those that want to check out the view, check out Comic Crusaders. Um, look for me. It's on there. It's out this week. It's in the new re review section. Go check it out. It'll also be on Comic Book Roundup for all the people who like the meta scores. Um, but other movies that kind of sprung to mind when I was thinking about this, um, maybe a little bit of uh disclosure yeah because because there's a little bit of passive aggressiveness from the boss michael douglas in general you know yeah but oh. I, I, I said the <laughs> behind me, so i'm just i'm obsessed yeah. with michael douglas obviously <laughs> <laughs> oh god we're going streets of san francisco in a minute then oh no <laughs> um also a little bit of body of evidence which is a really awful movie but there's that there's that element of kind of like the 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 bad guy the bad guy in the book is the one trying to lead her astray trying to convince her that she's something that she may not be or she might yeah. want to be who knows you know we're only one issue in um so is there that that 90s kind of i don't want to say 
I don't want to say a sexy film. What can I say? That kind um, of erotic thriller. I mean, we're yeah, definitely yeah. going to like the erotic thrillers. Yeah, uh, is that the kind 90s. of? Yeah, does that kind? Of, again, again, what, we think we we think we think there's going to be like a super modern twist to all of that. But that was definitely um, the vibe we we're going for. I would also okay. add um, classic film noir, um, yes. which a lot of those movies from the '90s were were influenced by themselves. Um, yeah, like uh, I think if Fatal Attraction was done. In 1955, you would have said it's like a noir, uh, yeah. a noir thriller. Um, so there's definitely a uh, a noir sort of uh, vibe again, which is often like a story where somebody makes a bad decision, where there's um, not necessarily a clear line between uh, black and white, between good and evil. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of gray uh, in yeah. the story. Yeah. So so those sort of uh, stories are definitely influences. Yeah, I think I said in my review that there's actually um, there's not a bad well apart from the 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 big bad. There's no between the husband and the wife character. There's no bad guy. The, the, right. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the oh, well, kind well, of... well there, there's going to be. <laughs> there is. <laughs> Don't say it. Don't you... <laughs> there's definitely I'm... a villain in the story, but um, uh, I but you know she makes a uh, a bad decision. Uh, meets somebody uh, makes a bad decision um steps out of her marriage and um you have to maintain some sort of um empathy for her at the same time so that was you know in, in writing this sort of story that's the um challenge that's the thing i find most exciting is for the writer like how do i get you to like still kind of be rooting for her even after she makes this bad decision and um part of the way I, I i think i hope i do that is by uh making her really relatable very understandable if you're anybody i think can imagine being in the same situation that she's in um but i think there's that level of uh grayness to her character at all like you're trying to decide like should i have empathy for her or should or shouldn't i and i to me that's the most interesting place to keep a um uh a reader or a viewer um just at like wondering about the character like which way is this going to yeah, go like, yeah. so there's like that there's, psychological tension while you're watching this yeah. um you know dark exciting story unfold it's like it's like watching um it's like watching a car crash because you kind yeah, of yeah. you, you you're watching it and you're like oh no she's not flirting about they're not talking about italy oh no they're not talking about wines oh where, where's why is why is a foot stroke in his leg? No, yeah. the, you know, the husband's a good guy. He's got the kids. He's, she's not gonna. And before you know it, it's all you know. It's, yeah, uh, and, and like it's, a uh, and like a car crash, you're glad you're not in it. <laughs> yeah, there is that. There is that. Um, the did did Dalibar cover do the colors as well, or the, the colorist isn't? Uh Danny. The artist Danny did the cover. Yeah. yeah. And uh um yeah, she did the main the first cover that Mark Diata uh did the uh second. That's right. And what about the color scheme? Is the colors Dalibor or no Marco Lesco uh cool. did the colors. A great job. I mean the um perfect. Yeah. Uh I'm always amazed, like, you know, before I got into comics, like something I didn't think about much was the colors, the lettering. <laughs> um but I really appreciate um, like how the colors and letters could like also take a story uh, to another level. It's like subtle. It's something like most readers of comics um, might not think about that much because you know you're, you're hooked on the story and the and I think the best and that's almost like the most flattering thing for colorists. I, I would think is like you're you're barely aware of it. You just know it's great, but like yeah. uh, you're not taken out of the story by like. Yeah marveling at it at the same time you just it just works so well it's so intrinsic to the story so i think he does that here i think there's a level of darkness to the color scheme that kind of adds to the the, the threat level on a subconscious level you, you look at the world in this book and it's very much it's not a bright world you know the the wife character is clearly unhappy the husband character is clearly unhappy you know um the kids have their moments so it's definitely that kind of um not bright it's murky and that pretty much describes the world that they're living in so yeah so it's the colors that do that um 
I would also say like even, and this was a discussion we had, but even the back, the choice to make the background um, uh, black, yeah, um, you know, that also like added, gave it like a foreboding uh, yeah. sort of feel, feeling. It, it draws your attention straight to the panel because yeah. that's where that's where the focus is. You know, you're, you're clearly drawn to it. And I will say, I mean, we're looking at this page at the minute and the background detail of the actual panel itself. Look at that panel down there. That is just bang on perfect. Yeah. And the bottles and glasses behind the bar. Great piece of work. You know, um, yeah, it's, like it's I, really, uh, really well detailed. I would like to also point out that I think, um, whilst we could marvel at, at the art, I will say that the writing was absolutely you, you hit every single tone perfectly. You know, we talked about the, the, the start, we kind of like setting the scene this is the family, this is what they do, and then like three pages in, you go like this. There's there's the uh, overbearing boss, the the, the, the passive aggressive threat in there. There's the overcompensation that comes about a third of the way into the book, you know. And then there's that the revelation that you know what she maybe hasn't gotten away with it yet. She's not off the hook. It's absolutely well nuanced. How do you manage to to cater for the different um, tones or vibes? that you you're generating because you you know we, we say it's car crash it's an emotional ride we're interested in her we're invested in in the hubby we want to know what happened at the recital you <laughs> know all these things you know so how do you manage well, to kind I, of spin those plates yeah so with comics um like i was saying like there's a lot of planning in advance so you're planning the um the actual plot and the um the events that are going to happen in issue one what's really impossible i think to plan um and i think which the editors just leave to the writer and to um pull off is uh you know getting the attitude of the characters uh down and mm. um the behavior uh so, so really like understanding the characters like who they are um basic thing like what they want like what their objective is in the story um, mm -hmm. I th for me, like if I understand that about a character, I can make it um, really real. Um, dialogue has always been uh, a strength of mine, just because I started out writing plays uh, years ago. Had a few like off off Broadway uh, cool. plays. Uh, someday I'll go back to playwriting because I really love playwriting. But um, but then a lot of my novels are dialogue driven. So in, in comics, it's very um, natural for me to like move a story forward uh with dialogue but it's, it's it's tricky because the um like i was saying there's a lot of planning involved we i know how long it has to be like what events have to take place so it's kind of like mm. shoehorning the characters and the dialogue into this sort of mold that yeah. um, is there which is a lot different than writing a play or writing a novel yeah because yeah. you've got you've, you've got to end on 22 or 28 pages you've got to make sure that there's enough Cliffhanger to get the next person to buy. Whereas the novel, you kind of just, yeah. I suppose you can maybe take that like slower thing. Do you yeah. write? Do you write a? Um, do you write like a bible for the book? Like a like a kind of these are the rules of the of the road for each character. Um, um, or is that that's not so I know that's more, I mean, of a, I did that's that. more of a TV thing. But it's more of a TV thing. I've done that. Um, let's say I wrote a uh, a graphic novel uh, with Andrea Moody for um, Boom. For Boom Studios, okay, um, Boom. that was a um, sort of a uh, fantasy horror uh, novel, with, which had, which required a lot more world building. So mm. for that, um, there definitely was somewhat of a of a bible. Mm -hmm. um, when I did the Wolverine Max series for Marvel, um, definitely more of a bible because we're sort of reinventing Wolverine's mm. character. Uh, so I definitely had some um, things that I just wanted to know, like they were just in the background. They might not appear in each uh, issue, but just I knew what where was, what yeah. the rules what the rules yeah. were. And then the that story, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. What sets the motivations and why the character acts a certain way? Um, what's you know if that motivation is the thing that drives them on page one, it might reoccur in issue three. You've got to make sure it matches. You can't. Be faced with a similar situation and 
and act out of character. I yeah, so it, it, it does require like keeping a lot uh, uh, organized, yeah, in my head. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. All right. Okay, we'll take a quick break uh, before we talk more casual fling. Um, for our break, you get an advert of one of our other shows on the UCPN. Um, everybody who sees this advert loves the advert, and they're so they should because the show is fantastic. Um, you can check it out on YouTube, of course, on UCPN. We are talking about the crisis in the Toyverse. There you go. If you're into your figures and your statues, go and check out Crisis in the Toyverse with my friend Bobo. He is an absolute genius when it comes to his Yeah, figures. that's cool. I, I'm, honestly, he is. He is, as you see him on there, you the, the, do the unboxing videos and everything where you get the figure out and, you know, people complain, don't leave it in the box. And all that sort of stuff. No, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, all right. Okay, cool. Thank you very much. So we're back. We're with Jason Starr. We're talking casual fling. Okay um question for you then casual fling awa studios what is it about this type of book that really kind of resonates and it, it's not just the sex element all right because other publishers uh you've got sunstone by stephen Sejic or Siege, um and you've got um swing by matt hawkins and linda Sejic. um all have elements of sex in them um but it's all about the character it's all about the characters the, the sex is almost by the by right so what is it about this type of this type of book it, it has that naughty element to it but what is it do you think that makes them so popular um i think it's definitely um the voyeuristic uh feeling that you get from this sort of story, uh, an erotic mm -hmm. uh, thriller, where you see a character doing things that um, you sort of wish you could be doing in your <laughs> in your own life. On, on well, I don't, level, I don't mean but, to brag or anything, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you might not want to uh, uh, do it, you know, because of the consequences. Yeah. In in an erotic thriller or in casual fling, in particular. Uh, you could live vicariously through the character, sort of get those uh, those thrills out. Uh, so I think so that's, to me, that's where like the thrilling element um, comes to it. Like a, the, where you get the thrills could be in, in a comic could either be from um, violence, it could be from action, it could be from uh, heroic, you know, characters doing heroic things. Um, you know, it could also be from uh, you know characters uh stepping out of their marriage but it has to be done it's a challenge to you know to pull it off i mean so that was what um intrigued it intrigued us um i also think uh you know we definitely um i, I mean i was definitely thinking about um a story that uh could potentially be like a tv show or a movie uh -huh. um so i was definitely thinking about writing something with strong characters a strong female um heroin in the in the in the lead role um strong characters there's going to be a character that comes in later in the story that dalibor um and i think is like one of the favorite character one of our favorite characters that we've done in uh comics and we've been hoping to do like a whole uh other series just about this other character who has not appeared yet so you're gonna have to keep keep going with casual fling to meet this character but that, uh, that that is the definition of dangling a carrot. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but 
But yeah, so this this other and you'll know who the character is. You'll know who you'll know who the character is. But um but definitely thinking about uh strong characters, um characters, actors would be interested in playing. Mm -hmm. So the, so I think it's just a modern uh reality that um you know it doesn't have to less your what I'm creating doesn't necessarily have to live in the comics medium alone. I think comics are great, um, perhaps even better than um, novels as far as like lending toward adaptation because you can actually mm -hmm. uh, see it. It's almost like storyboarded yeah. like uh, yeah. uh, yeah. movies. So it's very easy for directors and producers to like see to envision like how this could be adapted. So, so um, I recently rewatched because I'm working from home. Um, so when I'm doing my stuff at home, I normally have a movie playing on the background and stuff. And I watched Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire movie. Um, don't hate me, but I don't think those movies have aged particularly well. But um, there's the bit where he throws his suit in the trash can and walks away from it. And I'm thinking, they've just taken that from the John Romita Jr. cover. You know, <laughs> that, that shot, it's just, you know, it's a classic cover from, I don't know, Amazing Spider-Man 39 or something crazy right. like that. So I was like, come on, do better than that. You know, fine. Um, so, yeah, I agree that some movie, some comic books um, can be translated well into, into movies. So that obviously begs the question, where's Michael Douglas fit in this, com in this casting? <laughs> I know, you have to find a role for him. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one, sorry. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there is a... Uh... Maybe there's a uh, a curmudgeon old grumpy old man who says there's a, there's oh. a law enforcement uh, uh, character later on, but uh, oh, oh, he might be. Yeah, it could say something ridiculous like, "If I was thirty years younger." <laughs> uh, I mean, well, now you can just age him down. I mean, yeah, you uh, can have that line. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, CGI. Or now CC, yeah. yeah, I mean the the whole Mandalorian thing. How young does Luke Luke you? That's right. Spoilers. Spoilers. I'm not saying anything else at all. I'm definitely talking about One Division. No, I'm not saying nothing at all. All right. How was working with AWA? Because um, they're made up predominantly of a lot of ex Marvel guys. So Marvel's pretty much the superhero. I mean, Marvel don't even have a vertical line like DC. So how was working for. Um, I want to say X Marvelites. I'm going. I'm going to go with it. X Marvel. Yeah. What was yeah, it like with X um, And Axel Alonso, uh, you know, came from Marvel. Um, I worked with Axel uh, at Marvel and Wolverine on um, a Punisher Max issue on an Ant Man mm -hmm. novel. So we we worked together before. So um, when he started um, AWA, he definitely reached out to um, a number of writers. Um, mm -hmm we'd worked with or wanted to work with um, and asked them to pitch um, projects. Um, so this is a lot different from working at Marvel though, because it's uh, creator owned comics. Mm -hmm. The uh, uh, creators are much more um, uh, involved in the IP, especially for uh, you know, projects that are developing, that we're developing on our, uh, their original um, project. So, uh, so there's more of a, um, that's why there's definitely more of a um, thinking about the potential movie, thinking about the potential TV show uh, than there is yeah. doing licensed work for Marvel, where it's still kind of in the back. When I wrote Wolverine Max, it was in the back of my mind that this would be like a cool Wolverine movie, mm -hmm. but um, I wouldn't have like a personal stake in that. So it's a lot, mm -hmm. it's definitely a lot different doing creator own stuff. and. Um, yeah, I mean, just working with um, uh, Axel, like an editor in particular, who I'm very familiar with, is great. Um, and everyone at AWA is, I mean, they've hired like some really great um, mm -hmm. editors and um, publicity people. So it's like really just a great uh, uh, family of people at AWA. And they have like the Council of Creators as well, don't they? Kind of, yeah. kind of help with the quality aspect of the book. And I've got to say, Whatever model there is to do and to publish it, I have not seen a bad AWA book at all. I yeah, mean, no, they've all been solid. It's true. The the uh, you know there are recently um, what eighteen months maybe not even that up upshot comic yeah, and a lot publisher of, a lot of... and, but they've had like how many how many big hits you know 
it's, and a lot of um different genres also yeah um, definitely even some young adult stuff now so um i think the they just want to do like what they consider to be like good quality stuff so they're not like locked into any particular genre so it seems and of course building the new universe uh also but that's like another yeah. the um i like i like the diversity because it's we talk a lot about diversity in comic books um but when you've got a publish like AWA, uh that kind of don't have one particular genre that they focus on you get diversity through naturally you know because the writers and the artists that come through are diverse so the writers and artists have got the diverse methods of storytelling whereas other you know where other, if you're working on big two for example you've got to have that house style it seems i can't it's like do you do you still read comic books do you do you read yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah yeah so every time every time i pick up a marvel book it frustrates me because there's always humor in it and i think to myself not every character has to be i like the jokey the like aside. yeah yeah i mean fair well, enough I, was, I, I only worked on uh well i did that a little bit admittedly in the ant-man i did a little bit of that but uh <laughs> it works it works for certain characters i mean don't get me wrong i'm not all like i couldn't have i couldn't have the punisher do that yeah exactly well <laughs> but that's exactly what you get it's like it's like you read the avengers book it could be plug and play from guardians of the galaxy because it's like there's the serious one there's the funny one there's the one that does this you know i mean i get it spider-man he's a funny guy he's been funny since peter parker pulled on the well maybe after uncle ben got shot he was funny but um well he's a funny guy he's a wise cracking guy i don't need to see a host of mutant books cracking funny it's like what cyclops isn't funny why is he trying to tell a joke what's going on here um that's so, sort of the voice that i mean i think it's like sort of the uh the voice of marvel like in the marvel movies there's always yeah. in the middle of a fight a fight scene they're making like oh, little like yeah. sarcastic uh comments um yeah the other thing is the um i think that the other familiar thing in marvel movies is the uh technology like the way they like they uh make the technology always sound like really cool but also like yeah. vague yeah. uh and i and when i was writing the ant-man novel i got notes um from one of the editors uh like vague vague up the technology like make it vague. <laughs> <laughs> just make it vague and sound <laughs> it's not like uh not like star trek next generation where by the time of the seventh season ends, you already know about neutrinos and God knows what else. Let's right. invert the deflector shield and attract the neutrinos from the warp nacelles. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? It doesn't work. Um, yeah, but the Marvel movies, I mean, they are horrendously plug and play. You know, you can just you know, swap the characters around and still have the... I like some of them. What can I say? I'm a DC guy, so there you go. Which is... Which is I like old school Marvel. I'm a I'm a Silver Age Marvel guy, but DC predominantly. Um, okay, cool. So you said you're reading comics at the moment. What what are you reading? What are you enjoying? I mean, main, lately just a lot of the AWA stuff. Like I really loved um, uh, Hotel. Like in yep. in particular, uh, the Delaware worked on um, the Resistance. Um, Krista Faust has done some great stuff. Uh, Bad Mother. Um, Bad Mother. Love yeah, Bad Mother. Yeah, it was really good. What a, what a great. What It's Mike Diodata on, on the art, isn't it? On yes. Bad Mother. Yeah, yeah. What a, dis, what a difference. Because I, I remember Mike Diodata when he started on Wonder Woman. You know, it was all cheesecake. And mm -hmm. then he goes over on the Marvel, he becomes like super, like massive superhero type thing. Then you pick up Bad Mother, it's like, whoa. You know, that's yeah. the difference between having a house style and doing something that is totally what you want to do. Yeah. Bad Outside mother. of AWA, um, Philadelphia, I really like. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, Rodney Burns, yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, cool. So, big question. Oh. All right. I, don't, I, thought, these, I, I not... thought these were all big questions. Well, some are bigger than others. <laughs> <laughs> I always say, I don't know, it's not that much of a big question. If you could uh, work on a big two character, if you got the phone call from Marvel or DC, okay. um, uh, which 
character would you like to write? Um, for Marvel, definitely Deadpool. Um, just because um, I just think I'd be really good with the humor and the pop culture stuff. Um, there's some novels I've written that what? have like a, a similar vibe, so I think I think I'd be great at that. Um, and I would say Batman. I've done a little Batman for um, for uh, DC. Um, I never um, really dug deep. Um, and I wrote those. I wrote the Gotham tie-in novels. So I wrote like mm -hmm. the backstory of Bruce Wayne um, before uh, this series Gotham started. Like um, imagining what his you know relationship with his parents was like, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but I would. I could definitely um, lean in hard to. Uh, like a Batman story of some sort. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So casual fling number one, it's out in the stores now. It's five issues, right? Uh, four issues. It's going to be four issues. Four. Actually. Yeah. Four. Hey. It says on my preview, it says four, on my like, preview, copy. it says one four and five. <laughs> four intense issues. Now I think there was a mistake in the preview. It's uh, four. It's, it's always been four issues. I've got to go back and change my review now. Son of a <laughs> Son of a I gotta edit that now. All right, excellent. So uh it's monthly. So Yeah, every month. Yep. Yeah. Are there plans for a trade paperback after that? Yep. Definitely. Good. Excellent, cool. And what's next what's next for you then? Um well right now the red border uh trade paperback is also out. So if they, if you haven't read Red Border, my previous AWA book. Definitely check that out. Um, I have a new novel uh, coming out in June called Curved Glass, which is a uh, alternate reality thriller that I'm uh, excited about. And uh, after that, I don't know. I'm gonna have to find something else. <laughs> find something else. Just, just. You know, As a writer, do you find that you always you kind of like jotting down ideas and kind of coming back to them after the months and thinking, what was yeah, I saying about this one? Yeah, it's not. I mean, I think writers often get the question like, "Where do you get your ideas?" As if, as if that's the hard part. I mean, it's hard to get a good idea. It's, hard to, it's definitely hard to get a good idea. I have tons of ideas, um, but um, yeah, it's not a. It's not a. I don't, I've never heard any writer actually say it's a problem for them to come up with um, ideas. Maybe if you haven't written a novel yet and you're just starting out, like you know. But once you get into that mindset of thinking of ideas um that's not the hard part so so i was kind of i was kind of i was kind of done but you've just kind of give me another question to think about so as a writer then do you kind of do you kind of have the big moments of the story kind of in your head and then work backwards to join them all together or do you kind of go like a b c d or do you know what I mean? Does it follow like? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, I have the big moments. Definitely, um, really good question. I definitely have, uh, especially in a comic. I definitely have the the set pieces mm -hmm. in mind. Um, in fact, that's what I always tell. I t I teach um, writing at St. Francis College um, in their master's program, and I often say like, uh, you know, you shouldn't have writer's block. Um, if you have like a sense of like what the big scenes are in your story, because mm -hmm. um, if you so if if you're stuck about what's going to happen next, you can always jump ahead to that big scene that you know is going to mm -hmm. come up, that big uh, gunfight or whatever you know, if yeah, you're writing a western yeah, or whatever yeah. it is, Metaf the metaphorical gunfight, yeah. and you could write that uh, scene uh, instead of doing nothing during that day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, but but I do always like to know what the big uh, big scenes are um in my head it, it helps me um know that there's going to be like a progression of events mm -hmm. and um leading toward like what the big yeah. climax is i also always want to know what the ending is because yeah. um, then it just feels like i'm doing a maze or something and i just have to figure yeah. out my way out um because yeah. i know where i know there's an end i just have to figure out how to get there so reading casual fling number one um for me there's maybe two massive big scenes and two big climax moments in this scene bad choice of words read the book you'll find out why um, <laughs> um but i think it's some of the new some of the smaller bits that are e equally as interesting 
you know, you know the kind of things. So we've mentioned it before. To be fair, it's like the, the passive aggressive stuff from the husband, the boss having a go, saying she's not putting the effort in, the temptation of something else. All these are the little moments that lead to the big thing, you know. So you kind of like that's the that's the big moment. But you know, I'm interested in how you get there. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I really try to hone in on the characters and on definitely in this character, like in in this story, um, on what each character wants, like in each scene, like what the objective is um, in each scene. So, like, I know what the big story is. I know what the issue is going to be. I know what the big moments are. But then there's like a micro level of um, just okay. focusing on the page. Like how do I build? How do I build suspense just in this page? Yeah. So I'm like locked into thinking about that, and then when I get to the next page, I worry about like how am I going to build suspense in that page? Like so, then I just I'm very focused on like what I'm doing on a micro level. A micro level. Okay, cool, excellent. There you go. So to see the fruits of Jason's labors, you go go down your comic book shop. Make sure it's safe to do so. Sanitize your hands when you go in and wear your face mask, all right? Or do you click and collect or your curbside pickup or whatnot? Or even if you must, buy the thing from Comixology. There you go. As long as you buy it, you know what I'm saying? Um, plus, I've just said, Jason's just saved you like $3.99 by saying it's only four issues, not five. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You're saving money already. <laughs> go and check it out. Casual Fling number one is out in stores right now. Get it ordered. Get the rest of them on your pull list. Get this series. There you go. Thank you very much. Jason, it's been an absolute blast talking to you. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I really do genuinely appreciate it. And well done on a really fantastic book. Thank you. And uh, anytime. Excellent. Um, guys, that's it for this show. But don't forget to check out the UCPN for all your favorite podcasts, including... Crisis in the Toyverse, you've got the Definite of Crusade where we talk about DC books, and of course, No Price Podcasts. And if you want to hear about some old books, don't forget to check out the Old Timers Comic Book Show exclusive on YouTube. All right, this is Johnny the Machine Hughes saying, see ya. <laughs> <laughs>